Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, a podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us today. We are looking at issue one of Plastic Man, which was published on the 22nd of September 1966, cover dated December 1966. Now, obviously, we've mentioned Plastic Man a couple of times in recent episodes. There was the, the fabled MF Enterprises Plastic Man, who very quickly became Elastic Man. And also, as you'll be aware if you've been listening regularly, Plastic Man appeared in a recent episode that we did where we talked about issue 160 of House of Mystery where Plastic Man appeared in the Dial H for Hero strip. Yes. But today we're doing issue one of Plastic Man's first DC Comics series. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Pete, would you like to tell us about the cover? I certainly would. Because we're 1966, the fantastic Google checks at the top. Way hey. Mm. Uh, but embedded in the Google checks, it says, An epic event. The triumphant return of the one and only original Plastic Man. Obviously getting a little dig in at MF Enterprises, I think, there. I hope so. <laughs> I don't hope so. Here's the thing, listeners, we're weeks away from releasing that episode now, but I've been losing sleep because there was a crucial detail about one of the characters in the MF Enterprises comics that I forgot to mention. I forgot to mention that the MF Enterprises Doctor Fate was French. Oh. Because there is a moment where he exclaims, as most people as people do in comics to let you know they're French, he exclaims, Sacre bleu! So... Anytime you've read a, a story with the, the DC Comics Doctor Fate, have you ever imagined them with a French accent? Because I never have. <laughs> but yeah. So if you're in the process of tracking down the MF Enterprises comics after us talking about them, yes, that's something to look forward to. The MF Enterprises Doctor Fate was French. I don't know if the MF Enterprises Plastic Man was French. Well, <laughs> there was no indication. No, no, that's true. <laughs> Welcome to the MF Enterprises Characters Who Were French podcast. But anyway. <laughs> And the cover's got a lovely plain green background. There is a lamppost mm. with a police call box on it. And Plastic Man is on the phone at the police call box. And he's saying, You'll never know, Commissioner, whom I ran into. Obviously on the phone to the Commissioner there. Yes. Uh, and with his right arm, he has a femme fatale wrapped up. And with his left arm, He's punching out two of the bad guys. We'll find out who these people are in this story. Awesome. And there's another big caption box that says, Brand new exploits of the famous human rubber band. The slyest, slipperiest, slinkiest superhero of them all. (laughs) We should say it's a fantastic cover by Gil Kane. Gil Kane, I know. Gil Kane, who we've been praising over his uh, work in Green Lantern recently, this is very much a different yeah. style for him, much cartoonier. Yes. And indeed, he does the interiors as well. Yeah, we should probably say, this comic is very stylized. Yes. Very different to a lot of the sort of straightforward adventure, shoot 'em up sci-fi superhero stuff that we've, that we've been doing. Very even different to the Cosmic Spectre stuff that we've done recently. Mm-hmm. So we will do our best to get that over. To use a very outdated word, how zany it is, in fact. Yes. It would be a good idea if you have a copy of Plastic Man number one handy to read along with us just so you're getting the full experience. (laughs) (laughs) So shall we dive in then? Yes. Enter the splash page. How to make comic book history. Take equal parts of chills and chuckles, mix well with romance and a sprinkle of 100% nuttiness and you've got him. 
the wildest, weirdest, wackiest superhero of them all, Plastic Man. And then we've got the title of the story, which is... The The Dirty Dirty Devices Devices of of Dr. Dr. Dome. Dr. Dome. That's right, folks. Dr. Dome. Dome. D-O-M-E. That is a lol, isn't it? Dr. Dome. (laughs) Yeah, so with this big, bright opening splash page, yellow background, Plastic Man, it must be said... Slightly different costume from what he, how he used to appear. He used to be bare-legged, but he's wearing red sort of leggings and his feet are covered. And he's being very plasticky. Yes. Shall we just go left to right or clockwise or what do you think? Let's go by anatomical part. Bits of his body are stretching out to interact with some heads of characters that we see. Yes. His right ear is stretching out to listen to the sultry voice of Mike, which is actually a girl and it's short for Micheline. And Micheline is whispering in the ear. Let me whisper sweet nothings into your shell-like ear. And underneath her is her mother, Moms. And Plastic Man's arms like going round her headshot. Yep, right arms looped around her. Um, and she's holding up her Prince Nez to her face and she's saying, My daughter, in love with that plastic peasant? Ridiculous! And then underneath Moms, we've got the headshot of Captain McSniffy, the police captain. And he's got Plastic Man's foot up around a magnifying glass in front of him. And he's saying, You're nothing but a clever super crook, Plastic Man. And I'll prove it if I have to break every law in the books. Awesome. Gasp. Then back up to sort of the top of the page almost. And it's Plastic Man's left arm now, which with a nice little kitschy kitschy coo sound effect is scratching the chin of Gordy, who's a very sort of specky, geeky looking sort of chap. And Gordy is saying, Class, <laughs> get serious. <laughs> Being a superhero is no laughing matter. <laughs> and then in the bottom right-hand corner of this opening splash panel, what's going on there, Peter? Good grief. Well, we have a character, the aforementioned Dr. Dome, and Plastic Man, with his left leg, has got a spoon. And he's banging it on the dome of Dr. Dome. Dr. Dome's wearing, it's, it's almost like a, yes. it's a cross between a mandarin outfit and a matador outfit. But then he's got this strange metal, a colander-esque helmet over his, the top half of his head. Yeah, very loose, sort of big flappy orange sleeves and, you know, military general type tassels on his shoulders. Big high collar. He's very neat, twirly long moustache. Yes. And indeed, as Peter says, this metal dome with a bang and a clang, banging off of Dr. Dome's head. And Dr. Dome is saying... Plastic man, you're making me lose my mind. I'll kill you, or my name isn't... Do Ah, do you see? I've lost my mind already. Terrific. And then we've a little caption that tells us at the bottom, art by Gil Kane and story by Arnold Drake. So that's quite exciting. Excellent. Nice, busy, bright and colourful splash page. Already very, very different from everything we've done before. So now, into the story properly. Top of page two, the first panel shows Plastic Man walking along a busy city street, and as he walks along, he's thinking... I'm late for a date with Gordy. Better step on it. And there's some cars and some pedestrians and there's a a woman with her young son and their little boy's pointing out Plastic Man and he says, Mommy, why does that man wear long red underwear in public? And his mother says, Quiet, Robespierre. That's the greatest hero and general hunk of man of them all, Plastic Man. Robespierre? Robespierre. Good grief. It was a common name back in the 60s. <laughs> oh my goodness. It has to be, my goodness. Right, panel two shows Plastic Man stepping into traffic and stepping over a, a green car as the, the person driving looks appalled. And as he steps over the car, crossing the road, Plastic Man thinks, I'm bound to be late unless I take a shortcut, and I'll just have to avoid this heavy traffic. 
see Plastic Man stepping over a truck to arrive on the pavement. There's three sort of young teenagers watching him, and we can see two men pulling on a line to raise a piano up to you know an open window, obviously, in the building. And of the three kids who are beholding Plastic Man, one's a teenage girl, and there are two teenage boys. And the girl says, Hey, it's Plastic Man! He's the greatest! And the first of the boys say, Marvelicious! And the other boy says, Super fab! And then one of the guys pulling on the line that's holding out the piano says, Okay, Hank, haul away and keep that line good and taut. And the next panel shows Plastic Man looking up. He's obviously slightly alarmed because he thinks, Uh-oh, trouble. Looks like I'm going to be a little later than I thought. In the next panel, there's a sort of giant snap and part of the line that's securing the piano is obviously all snapped. And Plastic Man looking up and seeing this thinks, Here's the trouble. And there's not much time to keep this piano from playing a funeral march. To the top of page three now, and with a whiz, we see Plastic Man stretching and extending his arms. And as he does so, he thinks, This stretch also comes in handy when the butter's at the other end of the table. Panel two of page three has a kaplunk sound effect as Plastic Man's now giant hands have caught the piano as it starts to fall. We move to panel three, and a man in the street exclaims, Look at that! He turned his arms into a slide for the piano! And we can see that the piano is sliding down Plastic Man's arms and he's sort of stretching himself out to try and arrest the momentum and stop it slipping. We also can see in this panel the kids down in the street and the girl is saying, What a man! I wouldn't mind having those arms around me! And one of the boys says, Are you kidding? Get back to your Ken and Barbie dolls, sister! And we drop to the bottom of page three and Plastic Man is being congratulated by everyone. And the first of the boys, the one in blue, says, Hey, Plastic Man! How about your autograph? And the girl says, Oh, yes! Sign it on my hand and I won't wash for a year! And Plastic Man, who's you know securing the piano on the pavement now, making sure that it's okay, he says, Well, I'd rather not encourage unsanitary habits. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm a little late for an appointment, so I'll have to be bouncing off. Yeah, and with a vroosh sound effect, Plastic Man leaps up, bounces off the piano with a boing, and zooms off into the air. Tremendous. The girl falls back against the boy in blue and she says, Yay! I think I may just die, right here! So we arrive now at the top of page four, and the first panel shows the exterior of a shop on another busy city street, lots of people walking past, and the, the shop is called Furs, Fins and Feathers. And the caption tells us, And while the elastic, fantastic Plastic Man goes bouncing along... Let's anticipate him. Here's where he's headed. This pet shop owned by his young pal, Gordon K. Trueblood, who inherited it from his aunt, Nastursha. Gordon K. Trueblood sounds like a character from the Monkeys TV show, it must be said. It's de- we're, we're definitely in that era, aren't yes, we? Yes, absolutely. Of like the Monkeys on TV and the Batman TV show. It's, um, yeah. it's tremendous. So we're now inside Furs and Fins and Feathers, and we can see get a proper shot of Gordon now. He wears sort of green trousers, which are a little bit too short for him. He's wearing brown boots. He's wearing a brown striped blazer, white shirt, and a green tie. He's, he looks a bit Jimmy Olsen, it he must does, be said, because yes. he's got a crew cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's wearing glasses. And as obviously... This is a pet shop, yeah, and we can see him sweeping up, and we can see behind him there are some cages. We can see a monkey inside one of the cages. There's a couple of dogs. It looks like a cat and another one. And there's a bird cage behind him. It must be said a red bird cage with something inside it. Um, and it's Gordy sweeping up the floor. He's thinking, I knew it. PM is late again. How can a man with his unique physical talents and limitless courage be so disorganized? Wait, he might be here already. He's fond of sneaking up on me by shaping himself into some ordinary object and hiding. Hmm. In the next panel, 
we see Gordon pointing at a cobra that's in one of the, the glass display cases. And he's thinking, aha, that king cobra, it looks different somehow. Then he says out loud, pointing at the snake, you, you're not really a snake, you're plastic man, aren't you? And it must be said, the cobra registers surprise <laughs> with a sort of speech bubble with a question mark. And in the next panel, with a sss, it obviously flares up against Gordy. Gordy recoils, exclaiming, ye! And second thought, perhaps you are a snake. And the final panel of page four, Gordy's now looking at the bird cage, and he's beholding the bird inside, and Gordy is saying, Aha! I should have seen it before. The feathers in that cockatoo were coloured differently before. That's him! Top of page five, he's grabbed the bird out of the cage, which is squawking, and Gordy has grabbed it around the neck, and he's saying, Okay, speak up! You're a plastic man, aren't you? Aren't you? And then in panel two, the birdcage is starting to change shape into a familiar shape. Gordy screams with an eek and his glasses fly off his face as the birdcage says, No, he's not, Gordy, but I am. Yep, you've guessed it. The birdcage was Plastic Man. But now in panel three, Plastic Man has changed more into himself, but his legs are still in the shape of the bottom half of the stand for the birdcage. And Gordy is pointing at him saying, Now I am mad, class. That's just the kind of kid stuff that you've got to stop indulging in. After all, you're a major bulwark against organised crime. Plastic Man, kind of shrugging with his hands up, says, True. A pillar of decency. Yep. Bastion of morality. Yep. Fortress of decency. Yep. They were in the bottom panel of page five, and Gordy is still going off, and he's saying, That's why you have to conduct yourself with dignity, and Plas, look at you. You're doing it again. Plastic Man has coiled the bottom half of his body around somebody else in the shop, and the monkey is now draped out across Plastic Man, eating a banana. Plastic Man himself is eating a banana and swinging around like a hammock, basically. And Plast says, Well, I figured you were off in a pretty good speech, so I decided to get comfortable. <laughs> hey, Chi-Chi, peel me another banana. Now, you were saying, Gordy? <laughs> I like this because this is this is actually setting up the dynamic between Plastic Man and Gordy really, really yes, well, isn't it? So, yes. Gordy's a bit highly strong and Plastic Man's a bit looser. It's hilarious. And of course, Chi-Chi, if that's the gorilla, he exclaims, Chi-Chi! <laughs> now at the top of page six and it's a change of scenery and we have a caption that tells us Meanwhile, in a great sinister underground laboratory cleverly concealed beneath the busy packer's pickled peppers plant <laughs> Well done, Peter. <laughs> yes, we're now in the headquarters of Dr. Dome. There's some impressive looking large scientific equipment ranged around. There's a sign and an arrow pointing upwards saying men at work. And we see Dr. Dome, we can get a better look at him now. Do you know, he kind of reminds me of Adam Ant circa the 2000s, <laughs> to be honest, in this get-up. Brown boots, blue sort of trousers with a white belt, the, the moustache and the jacket. He definitely looks like Adam Ant, but Adam Ant, of course, didn't wear a large metal flat dome over his head. So anyway, Dr. Dome is gesturing, and he's saying, Here, in my great sinister, cleverly concealed underground laboratory, I will seal the fate of Plastic Man. Long has he thwarted me. But now it is time for the revenge of Dr. Dome. In a matter of minutes, I will press the button that will send my most brilliant servant into action and bring Plastic Man to his knees. And in a voice from off panel says, Father, you're talking to yourself again. Yep, and in the next panel, we can see that this is Dr. Dome's daughter, carrying a whip, and she continues, Look, Pussycat, you know your psychiatrist said that every time you start talking to yourself, it's a warning signal. And then Dr. Dome replies, Bah! What does he know about mental health? He was arrested twice for feeding the stone lions in front of the library. We're now in panel four of page six, and we can see that Dr. Dome's daughter 
is using the whip and she's whipping a cigarette out of Dr. Dome's mouth with a crack. And she says, If you weren't a bit of a cook, how could he help the rest of you nutties? And stop smoking, it's bad for you. Ah, cut that out, Lynx. You'll put my eye out with that thing someday. Final panel, page six. Dr. Dome is now jumping up and down. And he's saying, Now to work! At last I destroy Plastic Man! And Lynx says, Oh, I could have done that for you long ago. And had fun. Fun? This isn't supposed to be fun. To you I'm just a father. But to the world I'm Dr. Dome, King of the Cruel. So now at the top of page seven, and we get a nice insert shot of Dr. Dome with immaculately rendered fingers operating a piece of his equipment. Now, the piece of equipment has several names on it. It's maybe the 1966 equivalent of a speed dial, to be honest. <laughs> yes. There are names including Kid Catastrophe, Prof X, Lady Death, Mr. Morbid and Baron Blood. And it's probably worth saying at this point, Professor X of the X-Men had been around for a few years. Lady Death would turn up in issue one of Evil Ernie in 1991, and Baron <laughs> Blood would rock up in issue seven of The Invaders in about ten years' time. So, we're, you know... <laughs> <laughs> but no Kid Catastrophe or Mr. Morbid that we're aware of. There's a little bit more legacy for you listeners, because <laughs> that's what we're all about. And anyway, we can see that Dr. Dome is pressing the button underneath the sign saying, Prof X. And as he presses the button, he says... Now I will signal the second greatest criminally inspired scientist in the world, second only to myself, Professor X. And a change of scenery, second panel of page seven, the caption says, And in the turbulent laboratory of Professor X. And we see Professor X sat at his desk with a huge pile of papers and some pens, and he's obviously got a lot of work on. And Professor X has a shock of receding white hair, very arched, dark eyebrows, and a little sort of soul-patched chin beard. And we can hear the voice of Dr. Dome coming through on some kind of radio device, obviously, or some kind of receiver. And Dr. Dome's voice is saying, Professor X, come in! Professor X! This is Dr. Dome! Professor X is saying, Good grief! Dr. Dome on closed-circuit TV. It's somewhere under my research notes. Only I can't find it. And he gets so angry when I answer late. In the next panel, we can see that Professor X is now looking underneath his desk, and he has found his closed-circuit TV sitting in his waste-paper basket. Professor X then says, Ah, there it is. Yes, Dr. Dome, this is your obedient servant, Professor X. About time. Now dare you keep me in the waste-paper basket. Uh, I, I thought that... You thought. When I want you to start thinking, I'll let you know. Till then, don't even think of it. <laughs> That's brilliant. The next panel shows that oh, my Professor X, I'm finding it very difficult to keep it together, listeners. Professor X has lifted up his closed-circuit TV monitor and Dr. Dome continues to berate him from it, saying, Have you perfected those three fantastic weapons I assigned you to? Professor X replies, Yes, sir. They're perfect. Every bug is removed. Checked out 100%. They can't fail. And the next panel, we're back with Dr. Dome in his hideout laboratory and he's watching Professor X on a giant screen. And Dr. Dome is saying, fine, now I'll finally reveal to you the name of your target. It's Plastic Man. And on the screen, Professor X says, gasp, P Plastic Man? No, no, I can't. The weapons aren't ready. Two of them sometimes blow up in your hands, and the third often fires backwards. Blow up? Fire backwards? But you said they checked out 100%. Well... Got to leave some room for scientific error. We're now at the top of page eight, and we're back with um, 
by Professor X watching Dr. Dome in the monitor. And Dr. Dome is saying through the CCTV unit, You're afraid of Plastic Man, eh? But there's one man you fear even more. Me. And must I remind you that this set is my own super materializer television? Professor X says, Wait, no. Don't do it, DD. I beg you, don't. Take that, says Dr. Dome. And he fires a water pistol, which obviously uses the super materialized television to transmit the water. With a sprit, it comes out and splashes Professor X in the face. Professor X responds, No, no, stop, stop. I'll do it. I'll destroy Plastic Man. Only stop. <coughs> so before we go any further here, Professor X. Yes. It's not very subtle, is it? <laughs> <laughs> It's quite similar to, obviously, the guy out of the X-Men. And Doctor Dome, mm, yes. very similar to Doctor Doom. And they're both cast as bad guys. Yes, which is funny. I think maybe they saw what MF Enterprises were doing with all the names before <laughs> and thought, well, if it's good for them, <laughs> yes, we might as well do the same. <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them or something. Or anything they can do, we can do better. So, now... We cut back to furs, fins and feathers, and the caption says, And what about the target of all this human turmoil? Yep, we're back with Gordon and Plastic Man. Plastic Man has shaped himself into a very comfortable-looking chair, yes. it must be said. Gordon is looking very hypertense as usual, and Gordon is saying, No! I tell you, I don't want to relax and sit down, PM! I want you to stop fooling around and learn to be vigilant and serious! Plastic Man replies, Easy does it, Gordy. After all, there's probably not a crook within ten miles of here. Then we can hear a sort of clank-clank sound effect from outside. Gordy whirls around and says, What's that? They cross to the window of the shop in the next panel. We can see a couple more clank-clank sound effects louder, obviously, this time. And Gordy is saying, Great jumping goldfish! Not a crook for miles around, eh? What do you call that? The US Marines? Plastic Man says, If it is... They've sure got funny new uniforms, Gordy. And we round out part one with a caption that says, What kind of pulsating powerhouse of a plastic mess lies ahead? Well, ooze forward two pages and find out. Ah, that's interesting. Because I'm, I'm reading from the reprint in the facsimile Plastic Man 80-page giant, and the caption just says, well, ooze forward and find out. Ooh, okay. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we now arrive at the top of page nine, and we have an opening caption that says, The, the Dirty, dirty devices, devices of Dr. Dome, Dome part, part two. two. And this first panel of chapter two shows a giant, very Jack Kirby-esque yes. looking, very smooth, very sleek military tank um, with an amusing flag sort of thing hanging off it. And piloting this tank, which is cutting along with little clouds of smoke coming out of his exhaust pipe, wearing a nice yellow crash helmet with a little propeller on the top, it's Professor X. And Professor X is saying into a little microphone, Plastic Man, this is Professor X, obedient servant of Dr. Dome. I know you're in that miserable menagerie. Now come out and face me. Come out, or I'll blow that place to bits. I'll give you two, three. One... He wants to blow up a pet shop. He must be evil. Inside furs, fins and feathers, we can see Gordy and Plas. Plas is stretching as if he's going to go out and fight back immediately and Gordy is trying to restrain him. And Gordy is saying, No, Plas! It's a trap! Don't do it! And Plas says, I've got to, Gordy. If I don't, there's going to be a lot of fried fins and fur fuzz around here in the morning. From outside, we hear Professor X exclaim, Two! 
In panel three of page nine, Gordy and Plas are a bit closer to the door. Gordy says, Okay, then we face him together, shoulder to shoulder, side by side, with never a backward step. Plastic Man says, But carefully, Gordy. Better to be a live backward stepper than a dead forward marcher. Absolutely. So panel four, page nine, they're both now outside the shop. You can see Professor X in his tank. And Professor X says, Three! And now I fight fire with fire. Plastic man with plastic. And with a sploosh sploosh, a sort of orange goop has been fired from the, the cannon at the front of the tank. Gordy exclaims, g great gobs of goo! And Plastic Man says, That's exactly what it is. And that flying stickum is lots more dangerous than it looks, Gordy. We're now on page 10, and we can see that Gordy and Plas, their feet are now trapped in this yellow goo, which is now on the pavement. Gordy is saying, Ah, see what you mean, Plas? Oh, my feet are stuck. Plastic Man says, Mine too, Gordy. Ugh. Dr. Dome realized that my plastic powers aren't much good when I'm stuck to one spot. So we see Professor X's laughter coming from off-panel. <laughs> and in panel two, Gordy's still stuck. Plastic Man is trying to stretch himself out of the goo. His legs elongate as he stretches upwards, saying, And no matter how I stretch myself, I can't undo the goo. Professor X's voice from off-panel says, Struggle and squirm, Plastic Man, like a fly stuck in molasses. Murderous molasses! <laughs> And now I shall finish off both of you by grinding you with the treads of my super tank. With a clank clank, obviously the, the tank starts to move forward. And in the next panel we can see Gordy looking very, very, very concerned as Plastic Man starts to dig into the pavement using the shovel that he's transformed his left arm into and his pickaxe that he's transformed his right arm into. And as he does all this, he says, Relax, Gordy. There may be a way out. First, I shape one hand into a pick and the other into a shovel. Then I dig a trench around myself. Yep, see that going on with a crack of scoop. And in the bottom panel of page 10, Plastic Man says, Now with the circle complete, I leap into the air. Ah! And take the whole thing with me, concrete and all. Yep, and with a boom, boom, Plastic Man is now bounding across the pavement towards the tank. Gordy says, Splendid work, Plastic Man! You've beaten the professor at his own game. Except that tank is still coming straight for me. The clank clank. The tank continues to advance. At the top of page 11, Gordy's voice from off panel says, Hurry, Plas, he's almost on top of me. I can smell the lubricating oil from here. Plastic Man approaches the tank saying, Well, we're going to try a special lubrication of our own. This next panel is phenomenal because Plas is sort of still with his feet encased in a bit of goo and pavement, has stretched out and he's coiled himself around the wheels of the tank. So the tank is obviously not very happy. There's a sort of grrr, which maybe suggests the tank's alive, and maybe not, but with a clang, it's obviously starting to slow down. Plastic Man is saying, We'll see how well his wheels turn with this crazy kind of oil, namely me. And then in panel three, we have a lovely bit of see-what-you-see action as Plastic Man's dialogue tells us, That takes care of the wheels, and not only that, but the cogs conveniently ground the concrete from my feet. Such service. Excellent. Yes, there's a few screen crunch sound effects there showing that the tank's not a very good time. I must be said, Professor Eggs doesn't look very happy in this panel <laughs> in the top of his tank. Then we get a closer shot of Professor X in panel four of page 11, and he's operating what looks like an iPad. Obviously it's not, but Professor X is thinking, Only one thing for me to do. Activate the thermal circuit that runs through the wheels. We'll give Plastic Man a hot foot from his head down. 
panel 5 of page 11, we can see little red waves of radiating heat. Obviously, the wheels are starting to heat up. And Plastic Man looks very unhappy, and he thinks, Hmm, it's getting kind of hot around here, and something smells funny. And in the next panel, he's extracting himself from the wheels of the tank and stretching away, and he says, Yay! That funny odour was me! We almost had us a big dish of poached Plastic Man! Gee whiz. You can see um, in this panel as well that Gordy is still glooped to the ground. We arrive at the top of page 12, and... Professor X <laughs> is having a conversation with Dr. Dome over... Over Zoom. It looks like it's maybe using FaceTime or Zoom, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Messenger video. Other services are available. Yes. Um, over the screen, Dr. Dome is saying, You muffed it, Professor X! Professor X replies, But I've got two more weapons left. Never mind. You've lost the advantage of surprise. Return to your base at once and prepare for plan B3. And in the next panel, with a whoosh, we see the tank flying off. And yes, it's a, it's cl- more clearly in this one, it's a decorative raccoon tail, <laughs> <laughs> which is sort of excellent. What a chord. That's absolutely hilarious. And Plastic Man says, Get a load of that, Gordy. A 10-ton turtle with jet power. And Gordy says, Yes, and I'll bet the professor doesn't even have a pilot's license. In the next panel, Plastic Man says, Well... We'd better figure out how to get you out of that goo. Hmm. There's a vroom from off-panel. Obviously, a car is arriving. And a voice from off-panel says, Yoo-hoo! Plas! It's me! Mike! The next panel, we see that it's Michelin. And her car is pulling up on the pavement outside Finn's Furs and Feathers. And she's waving to Plastic Man and Gordy. And she says, Hi, my super sugar lump! Up to your usual fantabulous tricks! Plastic Man waves back and says, Greetings, rich lady! Hey, Gordy, you know Mike, don't you? Certainly. Everyone knows Michelin Duluth the Third. We drop to the bottom of page 12. Michelin has got out of the car. The plastic Man is saying, That reminds me, Mike. How come you've got a number after your name? I thought only boys did. Yes, but all the girls in our family inherit that name. And the money. And Gordy says, Oh, a sort of matriarchy. A society led by women. Did you know that on some Polynesian islands, women do the hunting and the men keep house? Michelin and Plaza are interested in what Gordy has to say. <laughs> Michelin says, Plas, it's a beautiful day. How about a ride in the country? Plastic Man says, I wish I could, but... We're now at the top of page 13 and Michelin is back in her car and zooming off. She's grabbed Plastic Man by the arm and she's pulling him along behind her. And she says, skip it, my flexible flyer. You need some relaxation. Follow me. Plastic Man says, Have I got a choice? And Gordy, left behind in the pavement, is still monologuing about the Polynesian women. <laughs> and women rule the tribe, making all decisions for their men. That seems absurd in our modern society. Hey, Plas! With a vroom in the next panel, the car zooms off, leaving Gordy still stuck to the pavement, and he says, What about me? Panel 3 of page 13. They've left the city. They're running across the blacktop. And Michelin says, Okay, lover, stretch out and live it up. Plastic Man says, Don't mind if I do. The next panel is looking down at the car as it's speeding along. Plas is stretched out and he's curved around the front of the windscreen, looking back in at Michelin. Not very safe, it must be said. <laughs> and it doesn't look as if either of them are wearing seatbelts. No. Shakes fist. Anyway, Michelin is saying, Ha ha! Oh, Plas, you're a gas. Good thing that Mom can't see you. She's already convinced you're gauche. Plastic Man says, What means gauche? Well, for example, 
When you use a fork to stir your coffee, it's gauche to wipe it in your hostess's gown. Plasy Man is now stretched up and over Michelin so that he's now upside down looking into her face and he says, Naturally, I always wipe it on my host's beard. <laughs> Michelin laughs. And in the final panel of page 13, it's a change of scenery and a caption that tells us, Meanwhile, at Mike's modest home, Michelin de Lute II, Moms, has plans of her own. You can tell this is Gil Kane, can't you, yeah. actually? It's almost like a very steep staircase that maybe, actually, the way it's been rendered, looks like it could be a ramp. And there are black and yellow tiles on the floor. Um, there's a table with some flowers in the background, other things dotted around. And Michelin... Michelin, who we should probably describe as a very attractive red-haired lady. She's wearing a blue dress, sort of sunglasses. But this is her mother, her mother, who's, who's you know, a very statuesque, matronly lady wearing a purple dress. And she's with her butler, Faunish, who looks slightly uptight. And he's wearing tails and striped trousers and a tie and collar and all that sort of stuff. And anyway, Moms is saying, The Countess Snidely's presence will make this the most important daylight reception of the year, Faunish. And Faunish responds, Certainly, madam, and all is in readiness. Top of page 14, Fornish continues. I stored the ice sculptures in the ice skating rink, the warm appetizers in the hothouse, and finally found room for the 42-piece orchestra in the swimming pool. I emptied it first, naturally. Naturally, replies Moms. And then we're cutting to outside of the big house, and Michelin and Plas have arrived in the car, which is zooming up outside, and Michelin is saying... I need a change of clothes, Plas. Be down in a jiffy. Slip inside and have a snack. Meanwhile, but don't be conspicuous. Mother's having a few friends for tea. Don't worry, rich lady. I'll be as invisible as a BB in a fish egg factory. Listeners, if you know what a BB in a fish egg factory would be like, <laughs> or as invisible or like, please do um, contact us and let us know. So, yes. a slight slow dissolve here, and we have a caption that says, A few minutes later... We're obviously inside the big house and we can see Moms with her friend the Countess and the Countess is about to sit down on a very obvious big red couch settee. I wonder who the couch could be. Anyway, Moms is saying, Do sit down, Countess. You must have had a trying day. And the Countess responds, Thank you, Mrs. Delure. Frankly, I'm a teeny bit exhausted. I'll just rest for my... The sofa! It moved! And would you believe it? Of course, the sofa's Plastic Man. Her cup of tea goes flying as Plastic Man says, You'd move too if someone dropped hot tea down your nose, Countess. <laughs> Next panel, Plastic Man is reformed into his normal shape and he says to Moms, Sorry, Moms, but Mike said I should make myself inconspicuous. And Moms is furious and she's saying, I knew it! It's that vile Plastic Man! I knew he'd ruin my day! Fornish! Call the police! Hurry! We then have the caption for the next panel at the bottom of page 14 and it says Shortly, enjoyably speeding to the mansion is Police Captain Matthew McSniffy. We see the Police Captain, he's a big thick set chap with a moustache and he's another much younger officer who's driving and the Police Captain is saying For years I've said Plastic Man is nothing but a fancy crook. And today I'll prove it. Maybe even catch him with the dilute family silver in his hands. Top of page 15 and the other officer replies But sir... If Plastic Man's really a crook, how come he's jailed so many other criminals? Ah, but the sounds of it, this Officer Gosling is a cousin of the O'Dare family. Tremendous. <laughs> and Captain McSniffy responds, It's all a pose, Officer Gosling. To throw us off the track and put away his underworld competitors. Besides, you'll notice he's never jailed himself. 
Officer Gosling says, Gosh, I hope someday I'll have some of your powers of deduction, Captain. It takes years, Officer Gosling. Long, hard years. I do like this panel, actually. I'm showing the police car speeding along with a wee, which obviously means they've got the siren going. We're now back at the Duluth house for panel three of page 15. Plastic Man's obviously now being pursued by Fawnish and the family and the police. And Plastic Man is saying, They're getting close. Better take a shortcut over this orchestra pit. Then I'll need some diversion to get the hounds off my trail. You can see Fawnish and a few others in the background and Fawnish is saying, Stop him! Don't let him escape! Plastic Man is stretching and stepping over the empty swimming pool and with Taraz and Toots and Taraz we can see the orchestra inside it. In the next panel, we can see that Plaz has arrived at a, a shed which has written on the door, Water and Power Control Shed, and he thinks, This shed? Just a thing! Doors locked, but the windows open enough. And Plastic Man reaches inside the shed. In the next panel, we can see his hands at work, turning some big heavy wheels that are above some pipes. Oh, I don't know, I don't like where this is going. We arrive at the bottom of page 15, and with a whoosh, we can see that he's basically very quickly filled up the swimming pool again, and it's washed out the band, the orchestra, with Taraz and Toots, the piano player and the tuba player and all the violinists and trumpeters have been <laughs> carried away up into the air by the water. It's almost like the band from the Titanic. <laughs> In reverse. <laughs> As Plastic Man runs off, he thinks, That should keep the hounds busy for a while. And how clever of the conductor to switch to Handel's water music suites. <laughs> Amazing. So now we arrive at the top of page 16 and we can see that Micheline has her car at the gates to the house ready to make a bit of a getaway and Plastic Man is stretching his arms and vaulting into the car. Micheline is saying, Here I am, Plas, you gorgeous gremlin. Jump in and wheel away. And Plas says, Start wheeling away right now, Mike. There's 12 angry butlers and a tidal wave right behind us. <laughs> a caption for the next panel. Seconds later... And we see a soaking wet Officer Gosling and a raging Captain McSniffy who's throwing his hat down on the ground in disgust. Officer Gosling is saying, We're too late, Captain. Plastic Man got away. And would you believe it? They say nothing's been stolen. And Captain McSniffy says, Ah, the clever fiend. He's probably robbed them blind. And the poor fools don't even realise it. He's won again. Blast him. Caption for the next panel says, Later at Dr. Dome's secret lab. And Dr. Dome is on the phone and he's saying, What's that? You've induced Mrs. Deloot to offer a secret reward for the destruction of Plastic Man? Magnificent. How much? And the voice coming out of the telephone says, One million dollars. I'll expect my usual 10% commission, of course. And we cut in the next panel, it's Fawnish that Dr. Dome is talking to. He's got his jacket off, but he's sat on a couch, and Fawnish the butler. Dr. Dome's voice comes through Fawnish's telephone saying, Of course! Ha ha! The irony is I've already planned his destruction for nothing. What about the methods? And Fawnish replies, Any means of eliminating him will do, provided it's more than moderately painful. And chapter two closes with a caption that says, Hoo-ha! Moms, Fawnish the butler, and Dr. Dome. What a terrible trio of trouble, even for Plaz. Read on, raptured reader. And then we arrive now at the top of page 17, and our caption says, The, the Dirty, Dirty Devices, Devices of, of Dr. Dr. Dome, Part, Part 3. 
And we're back with Gordy and Michelaine and Plastic Man. It looks like they're sat in the park. It's very sunny. Mm-hmm. Some trees. There looks like a big sort of bridge archway thing behind them. Gordy's reading a newspaper, which is a headline on the back page, which says, Plastic Man turns tea party into water carnival. Gordy is reading from the paper and saying, Plas, this is just what I've warned you against. How can you battle crime and injustice with a playboy public image like that? Plastic Man, who seems distracted at this panel, says, I suppose you're right, Gordy, but one thing else troubles me. And the next panel, we see that he's looking at a statue of a sort of portly, middle-aged man. Plastic Man says, Why do you suppose Mayor Leach posed that way? What was he doing with his hands? And we can see here that the statue standing with his hands open and outstretched just in front of him. Mike's voice from off-camera says, Who cares? Probably a gesture he used during speeches. Now, back to important things. In panel 3 of page 17, we're back with Gordy and Michelin. And Gordy's still saying to Plastic Man, You're going to apologise publicly to Mrs. DeLute. And Mike jumps in. Class, apologise to Moms? I'd die first. And Gordy says, Miss DeLute, you don't understand public opinion. And Mike responds again, You don't understand Moms. Does he, Plass? Plass? Where are you, my supple sweetie? She turns her head in the next panel looking around. We can see that Plastic Man... Well... <laughs> Plastic Man says, Up here. I just figured out what Mayor Leach was doing with his hands. Playing Cat's Cradle. Only somebody stole his string. Yep, and Plas has got himself entwined and wrapped around Mayor Leach's statues, hands, fingers, etc. Gordy looks raging. Gordy is saying, Grr! And Michelin is saying, Oh, Plas, you're the living end. <laughs> that could be the end of the story, almost. <laughs> but no. We arrive at the top of page 18. We're back with Dr. Dome in a caption that says, And in the shadowy depths of the sub-pickle factory lab... <laughs> Dr. Dome is watching Plastic Man on a screen. He can see Plastic Man cats cradled around Mayor Leach's statue. Dr. Dome is saying, The living end, ah, uh, ha! Within 24 hours, Professor X and I shall have turned him into a dead end. The caption for the next panel. And as one TV viewer watches another TV viewer... And we can see that Dr. Dome's daughter, Lynx, is watching her dad watching Plastic Man on the telly, right enough. And Lynx is saying, Poor Papa. Plastic Man's got him talking to himself again. Ten years of trying to trap that nasty, gooey, slippery hunk of a beautiful man have unflapped him. Lynx has moved to her wardrobe. She's picked out a very attractive, shiny orange dress, and she's saying, But I'll fix that cute chameleon myself. Then all the king's glue pots and all the king's tape won't be able to put Plastic Man back into any shape. The caption for the next panel says, The following fateful afternoon... And it looks as though we're back outside Furs, Fins and Feathers. We're with Professor X in his tank again. He's got his mother box in his hand. We can see people fleeing from the distance. Silhouetted in the window, we can see what looks like Plastic Man and Gordy. And Professor X says from the control canopy of his tank, Come out, Plastic Man. I have a job I must finish, and you are that job. And we can see that Plastic Man is actually coiling down from an overhead sort of lamppost and street sign. And he says, I've got terrible news for you, Professor X. You're the one who's going to turn in his uniform after this game. Professor X turns round, recoils and says, You! But how did you get out here? I saw your shadow on the window. And in the next panel, we're inside the pet shop and we can see that it's little dummies of class and Gordy that could be seen from outside. And then we hear Plastic Man's voice from outside the shop saying, It was a pretty old gambit, Professor, but like the man said, any book that you haven't read is a new book. Top of page 19 now. 
Plastic Man is coiling himself around Professor X and saying in the process, Now I've got you, upsy-daisy, Professor. And the Professor, who looks absolutely deranged, says, oh, Not if I can reach a certain control button with my foot. And indeed, with a click, he's able to reach the button. And panel 3 of page 19 shows the cannon firing with a sizzle. It's obviously firing some heat, which has struck the lamppost, because in the next panel... We can see that that post has softened enough to melt and fall over so that Plastic Man drops to the ground with a whoosh. Plastic Man exclaims, Oof, didn't count on that. Another super weapon. And he lets go of Professor X, who falls back in his tank, saying, Nah, that was just a cheap thermal ray. And then in the next panel, he says, But this is a secret weapon. It fires an acid that can eat through any plastic. And he's firing the cannon again, and little yellow bolts are flying out. Plastic Man tries to stretch out of the way, saying, Oh boy, that's one bath I could do without. The next panel shows Plastic Man's legs coiled into a spring and he tries bounding away with a boing, boing, boing. Professor X is firing after him. We can see splash, splash, splash as the acid is being fired and Plastic Man is thinking, So I change myself into a coil spring and make like a moving target. Yeah, see what you see. Thanks for that, Plaz. Right, we arrive at the top of page 20 and the caption says, Then as the bouncing battle continues... And we see Plastic Man dropping into a doorway and he's changed back to his almost human shape and he's saying, It's been fun, but a teeny bit tiring. <coughs> and then a voice from inside the doorway of the building that he's arrived in says, I'll bet it's been fun, but a teeny bit tiring. Why don't you step in here for a spot of lemonade? Plastic Man says in the next panel, Madam, that is a friendly and enticing invitation. To whom do I owe the honour? And he's been pulled into the building. And the voice from inside says, Just call me Maggie. It's short for magnificent. We're now inside a very swish-looking, attractive, cosmopolitan apartment. And Plastic Man is standing with... It's Dr. Dome's daughter, Lynx. Uh-oh. Plastic Man says, A very fitting name, Miss Magnificent. But why the black veil? Yeah, we don't really see it in this panel, but we can see it in the next one that she has a veil sort of covering the top of her face. Maybe she's hiding from him, I don't know. But anyway, she replies, My pet Pekingese died this morning. Plastic Man says, You must have loved him very much. And Lynx replies, I did. Now we drink. And she hands Plastic Man a glass. It looks like a lemonade, actually, yeah. And indeed he says in the next panel, Delicious! You made this lemonade? And she's sort of sidling her body up against him here, and she says, Yes, I received a Girl Scout merit badge for it. But now, tell me about yourself, loose bones. Plastic Man is looking up at Chandelier in the apartment, and he's saying, Not much to tell. I'm just an ordinary American superhero who... Whoops. Say, how many chandeliers were there when I walked in? And she says, One. Well... There are six now. Now in the final panel of page 20, and Plastic Man is sort of standing, looking a bit dopey, with his hand up to his head, the little bursts of light all around his head. I wonder if there was something in his drink. Anyway, Plastic Man is saying, Oh, you should also do something about those stairs. They weave considerably. Is it possible that your stairs indulge in strange potions? Yeah, and it's almost like we're seeing Plastic Man's point of view of the stairs and the, the rails... Um, at the side of them, sort of twisting and turning. Very odd. We arrive at the top of page 21, and Plastic Man says, I I hate to sound ungrateful, but, but I believe that l lemonade was drugged. Ugh. And with a plop, with his legs still stiff, Plastic Man collapses forward on the ground, and Lynx says, Goodness, 
Someone must have been tampering with my recipe. At this point, I just want to ask, are you getting a sort of mid-late 90s Jim Carrey vibe from Plastic Man in this story? Very much so. That's what I'm kind of trying yes. to channel a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just sort of thinking, you know, like, I don't know if that's ever been talked about. If there had been a Plastic Man movie then, he was the man. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been amazing if we'd had the if we'd had the DC extended universe twenty odd years ago. That's probably who we would have been <laughs> clamouring for to play Plastic Man. You don't want to see Zack Snyder's Plastic Man, though, do you? Oh, you! I certainly don't. I certainly <laughs> do not. Good grief! Can you imagine? That'd be horrendous in a world. Anyway, Plastic Man in black and white slow mo to the tune of Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh no. God! Oh, even worse. <laughs> We record this the week that the longer cut of Zack Snyder's Justice League has been released. So there's a bit of topicality for you if you want to date it and we're actually recording this episode. Anyway, so panel two, page 21. Plastic Man is now out for the count, face down on the ground. And Lynx is tying up his feet. And she's saying, Can't just leave you lying there. Very untidy. And then she sort of sings to herself. This is the way we tie our feet. Tie our feet. We tie our feet. <laughs> Outstanding. The next panel, page 21, shows... Well, she's basically just trying to reel him round the giant wheel like a cable. is a giant whirr. And we see Plaz being wound around it, and she's saying... Now, we'll get you all neatly wound onto that reel. Oh, you do make a gorgeous hunk of cable, you do. <laughs> and we have a tiny little inset panel, which shows Michelin and Gordy on, out on the street. Um, Michelin's neck looks very awkward in this angle. You haven't done your best work there, Mr Kane. It does. She looks a bit plastic man herself. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Um, and Michelin is saying, I've searched all over, Gordy. Not a sign of Plas. Gordy says, I know. Professor X is rumbling up and down the streets looking for him too. It's strange. Gordy's scratching his head. The bottom panel of page 21 shows, shows Michelin and Gordy coming across two workmen who are carrying out a very large, heavy reel. Gordy says, Wait, these men may have seen something. Pardon, gentlemen, did you see a boneless, coiling, oozing kind of chap go by here? And one of the workmen says, Look, chum, we're busy. Ugh. You expect us to notice every guy who walks by? <sighs> okay, Marvin, get it up on the truck. Ugh. We arrive at the top of page 22, and a caption says, Shortly in the city harbour. And it feels like there's a tiny bit of a scene missing because all of a sudden we see the giant wheel that we saw in the previous panel being dropped into the water by a man in a suit and Lynx is there and she says, Let him go, fellows, and good riddance to Plastic Man. And there's a besuited hat-wearing gentleman and he says, Right, Lynx. He must be one of her gang, I presume. So with a whoosh and a splash, the drum falls into the water. The caption for the next panel says, down, down, down into the Stygian depths of the bay it plunges. And we hear Plastic Man's thoughts from inside this giant drum. Oh, my head. Hey, I'm wound onto a reel. Gotta break out of this thing. But there's a metal collar around it and sounds like someone left the water running. The next panel shows that Plas has managed to open it up and poke his head out and he's thinking, Ugh. It's starting to give. A little more pressure should do... Hey, I'm underwater. With a boing, he manages to spring properly out of the, the drum that's holding the reel, and he thinks... That did it. Now to get to the surface. Not much breath left. And in the next panel, we see him slightly tangled up, and he's thinking... Uh-oh, I'm snagged in some kind of string. All wound up in it, of all the rotten luck. And then... In the final panel, page 22, we see that the string that he's tied up in is a fishing line. And there's a guy on the dock reeling in his fishing rod and he's saying, 
Man, look at that thing. I think I just hooked the largest snail in history. And Plastic Man, being pulled up on the string, still coiled around the, the reel, says, I'd love to celebrate the event with you, buddy, but I left something cooking. Top of page 23 now, the caption says, Shortly, as the fearless, flexible hero returns to the fray. And this panel shows Plastic Man running towards Professor X's tank. Plastic Man says, Hi, Professor X. Here I am again, wet but willing. And Professor X says from the canopy of his tank, So you were foolish enough to return, eh? Then prepare to meet my very special anti-Plastic Man weapon. And with a whoosh, little sort of blue circles and hoops are firing out of the, the cannon on the front of the tank. And they start looping themselves around Plastic Man. And Plastic Man says, Big deal, a hoop-firing cannon. And in the next panel, Professor X replies, Yes, but hoops of a very special metal. You see, they shape themselves to your body. And we now see in this panel that Plas has been surrounded by no less than four of the hoops that have been fired out of the cannon. Um, they're starting to tighten around him. And he says, Hmm, a self-adjusting sardine can for people. In the next panel, we see Plastic Man trying to stretch up to escape from them. And he's thinking, When I stretch, uh, they stretch with me. I'm trapped. And here comes a lovable professor to crush me with his tank. Yeah, and off panel, there's a clank, clank sound effect as the tank moves forward. And it must be said, the detailing in the buildings in the background of this panel are very, very nice. Yes. Panel four, page 23, down at the bottom, the clank, clank, clank of the tank continues. It rumbles towards Plastic Man, who's now still trying to stretch out with the hoops that surround him. Some giant wobble sound effects as he tries to tip himself back and forth. And he's thinking, only one chance for me. I reduce my height and expand my width and begin swaying back and forth. And in the next panel, he's successful because he's managed to tip the hoops and himself over with a balangi lands on the ground and he says, Now I give one last flex of my imprisoned muscles and... From the tank, Professor X yells, Bravo, Plastic Man, but what have you accomplished? Arriving at the top of page 24, Plastic Man replies, Not much by myself, but with a little gravity to start me rolling... And with a blang and a plang and a clang, now that he's tipped himself over, Plastic Man is rolling in the hoops towards Professor X's tank. Professor X says, No, stop, we're going to collide. And then with a broom, the hooped up, coiled up Plastic Man collides with the tank. It's a massive explosion. Professor X says, My tank, my beautiful and vulnerable <laughs> tank, you've ruined it. And Plastic Man replies, Sorry about that, Prof, but the judge will probably give you 20 years to put it back together. We have a slow dissolve and a caption that says, Later. And we see Captain McSniffy with his hand on Professor X's shoulder as he's leading him away and he's pointing at Plastic Man and he says, So you captured another dangerous super crook, you plastic phony. But you're not fooling me. I'll get you yet. Plastic Man replies, It's a deal, Captain. But get online. There are a few people before you with the same idea. And we cut to the last panel of the story and a caption that says, But even Plastic Man doesn't realise how many there are. <laughs> and his final panel is a little sort of collage of headshots of Dr. Dome and Fornish and Moms and Lynx. Dr. Dome is saying, I'll superatomize him. And Moms is saying, I'll bury him alive in money. And Fornish says, I'll trap him in the garbage disposal. And Lynx says, I'll beat him to death with my eyelashes. And we have a little caption that closes out this issue and it says, Each of them is just a cook, you say? 
So were Dillinger, Blackbeard, and Captain Hook, dear reader. Don't lose heart. There's loads of mayhem ahead. End of Historic Plastic Man, issue one. The end, I suppose. The end. Wow. That was wonderful. <laughs> that was great fun. Absolutely, utterly ridiculous and wonderful. Yes, it rattled along. Very, very funny. So different to see Gil Kane doing this sort of stuff, you know, when we're used to the, the global cosmic sci-fi threats that he's done recently. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. It's a, a very refreshing sort of change of pace from a lot of the stuff we've done recently. Nice to see, as I've said already, during and, and just there, um, nice to see Gil Kane doing something different. I can really just sum it up by saying that I was surprised at how much I enjoyed myself. What about you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, obviously DC were experimenting with a lot of humour titles and stuff at, the, at this time, uh, with things like Inferior 5, and also their more hip titles for, you know, the teenagers, like you know, Swing with Scooter and that sort of mm. malarkey, uh-huh. with various uh, levels of success, in other words, not much. Yeah, Binky and, and Wendy and all that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, and also around about this time you've got Metamorpho, who's appearing with all the hip uh, lingo that he was throwing about in Sapphire. With all the hip lingo? <laughs> all the hip lingo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which basically makes me think that everyone was talking like the kids in Dracula AD nineteen seventy two, because they're the hippest people ever. Of course, yeah. This is this is great. It's Arnold Drake, the writer of this, and he wrote some amazing stories in the Silver Age. I think we've actually really covered anything he has so far. He did a great great run in Doom Patrol, which was fantastic. Yes, uh-huh. and again, we haven't covered any Doom Patrol yet, but. Uh, we will do eventually. Yes, we have a plan to justify us covering the Doom Patrol. So stick with us, and we'll get there eventually. Yes. And it's, it's very fun to see Gil Kane do a looser cartoonier style. Yes. He's, he's renowned for doing you know, the stylistic, anatomically correct panels and for him just to like cut loose with Plastic Man and his body changing ability. Yeah. Stretching ability. He's just, you can tell he's having fun with this. And the cartoony reactions from the characters are just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I always just think of Gil Kane as, you know, not just about it. I always think of him mainly for his Marvel cover work in the 70s, but also, you know, for the Atom mm-hmm. and Green Lantern. Yeah. Up until we started doing the prep for this episode, I had no idea that he'd ever drawn Plastic Man. <laughs> Basically, because I've never really paid too much attention to Plastic Man. He's, he's not a character who sure. um, I'm desperately sort of fascinated with. I don't mind him. I don't dislike him in any way. Mm-hmm. I'm very surprised to, to find out that Gil Kane was the guy that drew issue one of his first DC series. It's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do the letters now, then? Yes. We'll jump forward now to issue four of Plastic Man, to Plastic Man pen pals awesome which is the name of the letter column which is quite amusing because the actual column title for it has got plastic man lounging back and opening up a mailbox with his foot uh, stretched out <laughs> all these letters pouring out fantastic very amusing our first letter is from one of the regular correspondents of the time you'll recognize the name and it goes something like this dear editor oh boy the intro of issue one read, take equal parts of chills and chuckles, mix well with romance and a sprinkle of 100% nuttiness. And you've got him, the wildest, weirdest, wackiest superhero of them all. And it's absolutely correct. You've really got something worth bragging about. Of course, I have a few questions, like, whatever happened to PM's secret identity? As I understand it, the PM of the 40s was a crook who toppled into a vat of acid and gained his amazing plasticity thereby. He reformed while recovering from a bullet wound incurred at the same time. And then he kept up the front of being a crook while he captured other crooks. So what about the new PM? Even if he's no longer a reformed criminal, it'd certainly be interesting to see him in a new secret identity. But does he have a purpose in life? Regular working hours, go on patrol every night, listen to the police bands on his radio, and hurry to the scenes of trouble? 
Anyway, you can be sure of one thing. He's terrific. And that's from our old friend, Irene Vartanoff. Uh, again, future comic pro uh, colorist Irene Vartanoff, who we've mentioned pretty much every single episode for about a year. <laughs> it feels like. And who we recently followed on Twitter from our account. So Irene's on, on Twitter, which is amazing. So go on yes. and, and give her lots of love and nice things. The second letter, very short, says, Dear Editor, I just got number two and it's fab. I'm only sorry I didn't buy number one, which I had to borrow from a friend. Any chances of buying back copies? And that's from Forrest Ellum in San Jose, California. And the response to him is, So many readers have written to express regret at missing previous Plastic Man issues. We're taking time out to remind them they can be obtained by writing to us, see address under the title, and enclosing 15 cents for the copy and 5 cents for postage for each issue. Coins only, please. But hurry, the supply is very limited. That's amazing. <laughs> I've got to quickly... Rustle up some change and send it to DC and see how many issues of Plastic Man I can skip up. That's fantastic. It is, isn't it? The rest of the letters page is rounded out with a little header that says PM Pattern. It's just highlights from a few letters. One thing that I want to mention is someone suggesting they should form a team of Elongated Man, Plastic Man and Elastic Lad. It's Charles May of Berkeley, California. And the editor suggests, obviously, Elastic Girl of Doom Patrol. Now, that's great. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, we do see something similar to that. In a future issue of DC Comics Presents. That's right, the Elastic Four, but that's way, 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 way in the future. Mm -hmm. A few other letters, just generally all very positive. Just little highlights, they're all very positive. So people are digging Plastic Man. Absolutely, I'm digging Plastic Man. I'm digging Plastic Man. I am Plastic Man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm digging Plastic Man. We really had a lot of fun doing that one. And we didn't expect it. It's going to be fun. There will be more Plastic Man coming. Don't worry. Yes. We might not do every single issue, but certainly we do have more in the pipeline. The main reason we've done this one is it's the revival of a previously published Golden Age superhero in an ongoing title by DC. So that's worth covering. Yes. But I think because we enjoyed it so much and because it's a, a revived DC superhero, we might stretch it a little bit and do a couple of issues here stretch and there. Stretch it a little bit? Oh... Yeah, just to see how how we get on. Good. Because he's going to be an issue of Brave and Bold fairly mm-hmm. soon. We'll probably yeah. do that one. And there's yes. at least one other particular issue of the Plasma Man series that we want to cover. But we're not yeah. going to say too much about that for anyone who hasn't read the stories. Stay tuned. Yes. But let us know what you thought about this episode. You can get in touch with us by emailing us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. We always put up select panels from the issue. And you'll be able to see some of this different styled Gil Kane artwork. Yeah, and check out our Instagram also because we'll add some panels there that might be different to the ones we put on Facebook and we'll also be adding to Instagram and Facebook some more extra content involving Plastic Man just to amuse and delight you. Yep, we are at The Earth 2 Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter we're at podcast underscore Earth 2 and it's the number two for all our social media. It certainly is. So get in touch. Yep, please do. Rate and reviews if you can, wherever you find your podcasts. I'm told that that sort of thing benefits us. We've gained a few new followers on Facebook and Instagram recently, and their feedback's been very positive, so thank you very much for that. Very good. So, on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we'll see you next time on... The The Earth Earth 2 Podcast. Podcast! I'm away to stretch my legs. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Gordy exclaims, great gobs of God! Goo. Plastic Man says, great gobs of goo. All right, (laughs) so it is.